We head over to Paris in France where it's 11.36. And Coach Chuck Reedy, I don't know what kind of shape he's in, but he's joining us after a long day of doing whatever they're doing in France. Coach, how are you? Welcome in. Hey, Phil. I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, you I'm s- doing good. Thanks. Sound good. Coach Ellis Johnson sitting over there in um, his bungalow in um, uh, wherever he is, over in the, uh, in the Shandon area of Columbia, wherever he's located. Coach, how are you? I'm doing fine, Phil. <laughs> good to have you with us. No uh, exotic traveling for you this week? Well, I, I wrote to Greenville, South Carolina. I went back up to Chapin and ate breakfast with Les Herod. Uh, that's about as exotic as I enjoy traveling. <laughs> that's great. That is great. Chuck, what took you over to France? You know, we're just we're just doing a little traveling, and uh, actually, we're 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 doing French in Italian Riviera, and we're actually uh, in Portofino. Uh, Italy. Excuse me. Excuse me. I didn't mean you were. I didn't mean you were slumming in Paris or over in, on the uh, no, resort in Italy. Okay, I got you. We're, we're just, you know, we're, we're just trying to, you know, trying to uh, do do some things while we can. All right. Anyway. Uh, before we start, Chuck, I always uh, think of you whenever the high school league uh, punishes a school. So, uh, did you? Keep up with what happened with the Ridgeview situation here with the, the high school league. Well, I, I've just I haven't really kept up with it. I saw that they may, you know, may kick them out of the playoffs or whatever the case may be. Um, <laughs> not even go into that, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you've 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 had your dance with the high school league before, I know. But you know what? What what came out of your situation? was the creation of that second level of appeal, that appellate board. But in this case, that didn't help Ridgeview. The appellate board, you know, agreed with the high school league ruling anyway. So, all right, let's get to uh, the football teams of South Carolina, Clemson. Ellis, let me ask you here first. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say all Gamecock fans. Some Gamecock fans have been uh, raining down their fury on uh, Marcus Satterfield over the performance of the offense and, you know, uh, being a coordinator as you were so many years, along with being a head coach, being a coordinator as well. I mean, how do you deal with that when you're catching the brunt of the the public criticism? You know, the head coach, I guess, is trying to do the best he can to deflect in a lot of ways, but it's it's raining down on you anyway. How do you stay focused and confident with what you're doing? Well, I mean, it comes with the territory, and I think. You know, those guys understand that. So it's not like something where you all of a sudden panic because the fan base of the media is mad at you. Uh, I don't I don't have a real clear opinion of whether I think he's doing a great job or not. I think, you know, the average fan wants to say it's play calling, it's play calling, it's play calling. They run the same plays other people do. Hmm. Uh, but it does look like sometimes they're not being executed well. So then you go back and say, well, why? Well, you pick a play or you put it in your plan or you put it in your base offense, you go out and practice it. You're either doing it well or you're not. If you're not, you shouldn't call it on the game. Uh, but you go to the game and if it doesn't work, everybody says, well, we don't set things up. You can't set things up when you're not having successful plays and making first downs. You know, a, a play action comes off of a successful run and a draw comes off of a, a team that has to bring pressure 
or, or can't get to the quarterback, or is harassing the quarterback, et cetera. You know, it's, it's just you, you don't know whether to blame the talent level, the play, but I see, I see plays that everybody else runs. So I just don't see that it's some ingenious play calling or some stupid play calling. I think that's typical fan base stuff. And uh, is it good? No. They've been having good all year. They beat Texas A&M without a good offensive shoulder. And, and you know, they've been living off the kicking game and turnovers, and they didn't get any turnovers this time, and they didn't get any special team events. Yeah, you're exactly right. You nailed it there. Chuck, I think the, one of the biggest gripes from the Gamecock fans you are griping out loud is Jaheim Bell. And now, you know, is Jaheim Bell the difference maker for South Carolina? Would he turn it around? Um, he got no touches in the ball game. You ever had a game where uh, does it happen where a key guy like that, and you're the play caller, can it happen where a key guy like that doesn't get a lot of snaps for whatever reason and, and doesn't get a touch? I mean, is that does that rest on the shoulders of the play caller to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, it, it rests on the shoulders of the guy that's running the offense and Our cell tower in Italy is not uh, is not cooperating with us. <laughs> Chuck, okay. you still there? Are you still there, Chuck? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, you're kind of going in and out on us. Okay. See if you can uh, come up from the beach, maybe, and find a mountaintop or something. <laughs> uh, okay. There you can go. Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Much better. Okay. Anyway, no. The, the thing that, that I don't understand, and, and I mean, I, and, and I don't know Mark Sackett, he's a smart guy. You know, it, 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 it's always been, you know, that the players don't seem to understand what's going on. You know, you can be the smartest coach in the world. You can have the greatest plans and all Don't understand and they can't execute the plan then it's too complicated and you know and that's what i see and um you know jaheim bell he, he, I, I hear all this stuff about uh personnel groupings that's a bunch of crap i mean you put your best players on the field and you give them an opportunity to execute the plays i mean uh, we, we got personnel grouping based we think the defense is going to be trying to get matched. You know, matchups are getting the best players out there and letting them execute the plays. I, I just, I think, Phil, that it's, you know, they're just, uh, what they're trying to do is just too complicated. Make it simple enough that players can understand it, they can go out there and play. Chalk Talk tonight here on Sports Talk, chatting with Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson. And uh, Coach Johnson has much criticism, and deservedly so, for an offense that generated just over 200 yards. The defense had its share in that loss against Missouri, too. And in the first half alone, the uh, Tigers had drives of 96, 84, and 75 yards for scores. I get it. It's physically demanding to play that many plays against another team. But how much is that mentally draining on a defense to not be able to get off the field and watch a team go 96 yards and then 84 yards on you and then again 75 yards on you? Well, when you play an SEC opponent, it can happen. And I, I don't think in those particular aspects is something to, to say, well, that's what lost the ball game or that's what put us in a hole. But I'll tell you the difference in the Texas A&M game and the Missouri game, not the difference, but a huge difference, 
is that Carolina came out with a burst, touchdown kickoff return, some good stops, and they kept the crowd in it. And Missouri came out and, and in the same situation. They quieted the crowd because they had successful drives against them, and Carolina's offense was going three and outs, not getting first downs. So it, it kind of works off of each other. I still think that defensively they're not playing bad, but again, they didn't get a turnover. Uh, you know, they gave up 367 yards, and frankly, in today's football, that's not that bad. And they're having to play too many snaps too soon. The, the, the change of possession is going like just too short. They've got to somehow start sustaining some drives on offense. And uh, so I, I'm not totally critical of defense. I, I don't think they played as well as they have uh, in some other games. Uh, but other than that, I, I, you know, I just don't feel like it was something that you can go in and say, well, this is awful, this is terrible. Missouri's had some sexual plays against a lot of people. Uh, their quarterback statistics are not that bad. They started off extremely bad early in the season. But but lately, they've been pretty good. And you know, the games they've lost lately were Auburn, Georgia, and Florida. And Florida was on the road. And, and you know, they were competitive in every one. One was a touchdown, one was four points, the other was an overtime. So they're not a terrible football team. I just think maybe the South Carolina fans thought that we were somewhere where we're not yet. Yeah, I think they looked at this situation. I mean, I certainly did, Ellis and Chuck. And I saw the Gamecocks at 5-2 and two and coming off a pretty decent win over Texas A&M and had beaten Kentucky, a four-game winning streak. And you got these guys at home and you're favored and it's homecoming and it's a sellout. And you got everything going your way. I, I – Ellis, I just didn't see the intensity. I'm not going to say effort. They played with great intensity against Texas A&M, like they really brought it. I'm not so could, – could you see that? Am I making something that's not something to be made of? I, I just didn't see the intensity uh, against Missouri that they had against. And I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job against A&M but took a, a kind of a step back against Missouri. Well, possibly. But sometimes it's the fact, you know, who they're playing against. But I, it's hard to say they didn't play with intensity, but they played with effort. I did not see a lack of effort. I thought, again, not to repeat, but the, the ball game emotionally was hyped up so much with the first five or six minutes against Texas A&M. The players fed off of it. The crowd fed off of it. You know, and, and Texas A&M, let's face it, they've got some talent, but they're not executing well in a lot of areas right now. They are not a good football team. They got beat at home this week again. Uh, so I just think that maybe they did some good things on offense, Missouri. I think maybe, you know, people weren't expecting them to be that good. They've got some good players, and I think Drinkwitz is, is really good at, at scheming and setting things up and doing things that his, his offense can be successful against what you're running. I don't think they ran any bad defensive calls. They just didn't – they weren't able to uh, stop them at critical times. But I didn't see a lack of effort. I just saw Missouri come out a little bit crisper, executing a little better, playing a little faster, playing with confidence. South Carolina lost a little confidence early in that game, and it just started to kind of kind of roll on. I just mm. didn't ever respond. Chuck, uh, what did you think of the first ranking by the playoff committee, especially uh, having Clemson sitting there at number four? What you what'd you think of the body of work of the committee this time? Well, I was a little bit surprised that they were ahead of Michigan. Um, you know, I thought Michigan, uh, especially 
obviously Penn State has gotten beat a couple times now, but you know, they had a really good win against them. But anyway, you know, it, it's all going to play itself out. Obviously, Georgia is going to play, and Michigan and Ohio State are going to play. Um, Clemson sitting in a good position. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, there's some, you know, obviously there's some thoughts about TC too. You know, they, I think they're seventh. I think that's right. Um, you know, they may have been a little bit, should have been a little bit higher, but you know, it, it's, it's a starting point. We'll see what happens from here. Yeah, you're right. They are seventh behind Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. Ellis, could you see a scenario where three SEC teams make the playoffs if Alabama goes undefeated the rest of the way, gets to the championship, plays a one-loss Tennessee or Georgia in the championship, the loser of the Tennessee-Georgia game wins out the regular season to finish 11-1, and and then the Alabama-Tennessee or Alabama-Georgia SEC championship game, let's say Alabama wins, so you got a one-loss Alabama, a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss Georgia, especially if they're all down-to-the-wire field goal kind of victories. You got those three teams all with one loss, all by field goals, all to each other. Would they take all three? I'm glad you're not on that committee. They'd never get anything done. (laughs) (laughs) But I hate to admit it, Phil, but the scenario you just painted, it's probably got like a 5% chance of happening. Mm -hmm. But it'd be hard for me not to put all three of them in. When I look at them right now, I think, I think those three teams right now are as good as anybody in the country on a given day. Now, Ohio State and Michigan, I think, are playing better than Clemson right now. And I will chuck. I don't understand how Clemson got that ranking. But I, I really think the committee sometimes, I know they're supposed to just kind of put them in order the way you really think, but I think they saw these matchups coming down the road, and they're going to let the Tennessee-Georgia game and the SEC game, championship game, and they're going to let the Michigan-Ohio State game they're going to let all those games take care of business for them. Uh, my biggest concern, Clemson better be ready to play at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, is, I think they're 4-1 or 5-1 over their last six games. They started off, you know, like a Halloween show. But all of a sudden now, they're not playing bad at all. They're putting up points, and they got to go on the road and play them at night. Uh, Chuck, uh, what did you think about what I just talked about and – do you think the committee put LSU with two losses at number 10, knowing they're playing Alabama this weekend in Baton Rouge, and that should Alabama win that game, they can make the argument, hey, just beat a top 10 team on the road ranked in the championship rankings. I mean, that's just another big feather in Alabama's cap if you want to make that argument. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what, what you're saying certainly is plausible, but – yeah, there, there's no way that they're going to take three one-loss teams ahead of undefeated Clemson or an undefeated ECU. You know, I, I just don't. I don't. You know, obviously, the state of Michigan, one of those are going to be in if they continue to win. Uh, and there's probably going to be two undefeated teams. You know, I don't know how that's going to play out. But you know, you're not keep an undefeated Clemson out. I, I just see that happening, especially with them starting off at, at number four in the rankings. 
Guys, as always, it's been great. Uh, Chuck, what's been your uh, favorite wine on this trip so far? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's all been good. <laughs> 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 I can't have it out, but it's all good. I mean, are you a are you a connoisseur? Uh, no, I just like wine. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, I, I, No, I'm not a connoisseur. I just like all of it. It's red wine. It's all real good over here. I bet. Will you have a safe trip? Hey, oh, go ahead, Ellis. Chuck, I'm having a uh, Chuck. I'm having a glass of yellowtail cabernet. I doubt if that's what the doctor ordered over there. <laughs> well, at least it's not Mad Dog 2020, Ellis. That's more of what I expected. <laughs> yeah, it's close. It's very close, and it's all about price. Yeah. Hey, I'm with good. you. It's I'm with good. you. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Be safe over there, Chuck. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, Nellis. You be safe around Columbia. <laughs> I can't believe that that was the question you asked him. He's on the French Riviera and getting an opportunity to see some of the uh, most gorgeous uh, coastline around the world. And your question is, what wine has he enjoyed? Quit talking about the women over there in France. <laughs> oh, you said Come coastline. On, I thought you said coastline, waistline. Yes. I thought you no, said waste. Coastline. Oh, you said coastline. Coastline, yes. All right, we got to go to a break because we're getting tight. <laughs> Speaking of tight, that's what Chuck is. No, I don't know if he's had a couple of glasses already or not. But we thank him for being with us. That is dedication all the way. He's actually no in Italy. He said he's in Italy yeah. over there. Fino. Oh, you know that area. You've been there? Yeah. No, I have never been to Italy. I have been to France, but I've never been to oh, Italy. excuse me. Okay. Would like to. I'm like Chuck. I've been to Irmo before. I've, I've been to Irmo. Going to hit the break, and uh, we shall return in a moment. <laughs> 